This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograde, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This week, we are taking a look back at Hercules to see if our nostalgia is warranted. First and foremost, it's just two 90s kids this week, because Mark is off doing whatever it is he does. I don't know. Being a loser. Yeah, that sounds like Mark. (laughs) I picked this movie specifically because Mark was gone, because he has said he doesn't like it. Which is absurd. This is one of my favorite Disney movies growing up. And I knew I didn't want to deal with his nonsense about this movie, so I knew he was gone, and so I picked it when he was gone. Smart play. I know. I have to. I need him to be gone again for when I pick Hunchback, because he also doesn't like that one. But that's got some of the most interesting music. It's a much darker story than this is, for sure. And it definitely has problems, but I just don't want to deal with Mark's nonsense. I feel the same. All right, I'm pulling up a timer here. So you've got a 60-second synopsis to deliver on this film. Are you ready? Probably not, but sure. All right. And in three, two, one, go. Hera and Zeus have a baby named Hercules. Uh, Zeus's brother Hades doesn't like this because he wants to take over, so he decides to make... um, Kidnap Hercules, make him mortal, and then kill him. He sends his minions... Panic and pain to do this, but they mess up, turn him mortal, but still leave him with godlike strength. Hercules gets adopted, um, doesn't feel like he belongs. His parents tell him that he is adopted, and he goes out to become a hero. In becoming a hero, he finds out who his true parents are. He falls in love, gets into a oh, I more time um, gets the city of Thebes to love him in becoming a hero. But Hades eventually finds out he's not dead and decides to. Try again using Megira as bait and losing his thing and sets the Titans free to kill his father. Eventually, Hercules finds the strength to become a true hero, sets everything free, saves Megira from dying, gives up his godhood to live with Hera on Earth, and everyone's happy. All right. You got in just under the wire. There and it is. some of that made sense. Yeah, you you kind of lost the plot there a bit. I think at one point you said Hades loses his thing, and then you just kind of rambled on from there. <laughs> Yeah. All right. But let's get into log form. I mean, Hades does lose a lot of things. I, he cool. sure does. At one his point, he, his face implodes. <laughs> um, so what did you see as an adult that you may have missed as a child? Hey, I didn't know that Zeus's voice was done by Rip, Rip Torn. Torn? Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Yeah. Apparently good timing on our part. He died. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to be fair, I don't think I really put together a face to name with him until, I guess, maybe a little later. More when I was into, like, watching Men in Black. More. Yeah, Men in Black, Dodgeball. Men in Black, Men in Black 2. That's right. when I was, like, 
Rip Torn. And so, but looking back now that I'm like, ah, oh, Rip Torn, I'm like, no, that's obviously who that mm-hmm. is. That is like. But he, he, I love his voice. He has such a nice, big, booming voice. He's yes, perfect it, for Zeus. It fits how big the character is. It right. fills the space. And I like this version of Zeus where he is just kind of all powerful, but like everyone is just really subservient to him. Like he's a big dolt. It is because. He's kind of oblivious to everybody yeah. else's problems, but they're all just kowtowing to him because he's the big man in charge. He a little doesn't understand how much his brother hates him because he's like, everyone should like me. Yeah, I'm the party I'm guy. I'm not Dionysus, but I'm a party man. Um, <laughs> The first thing I noticed is... How good is some of the details on this illustration? Every time we go back to, like, a this area Disney illustration, like, when they're in the museum at the very yes. beginning and looking at yes. all of this, ooh, there's some real good details. Yeah, the drawing is amazing. The fact that, like, they were able to capture the essence of the Grecian art and then yeah. have it move uh, seamlessly with the music as well. It, it's over-stylized in that um, classic Greek sculpture style but it's amazing yeah no there's people that talk about oh the disney princesses they're so like but it really works like oh they have the skinny waist and like whatever it's cartoons but magira is even more so than normal disney princesses but it works there because i was reading up and they talked about they made all of the characters stylized off of a lot of like greek statues and greek architecture so she is literally shaped like Greek pottery. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very exaggerated non-human shape, but that is on purpose. And and Hercules to the same way, if you look at Zeus, he does literally kind of look like a column, oh. but that's on purpose. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, because the, uh, the thing that I noticed in the museum in the beginning is, uh, as a kid, I hated the original narrator's voice. It is supposed to be like a classic History Channel narrator before the muses yeah. pop in and like really start singing everything and make everything exciting. I really like this guy's voice. I, I would like him to narrate the whole film. I think he does a great job. I'm. Are you kind of lukewarm on him still? No, I have to... Because I know it... You know who the narrator was, don't you? I don't. I... He, you know, <laughs> he only shows up at the beginning. I did. I, I watched it one time, and I couldn't recognize the voice. The narrator was Charlton Heston. Was it? Yeah. Well, dang. Moses himself. Getting up in all Moses sorts of... Himself. Yeah, getting in all other sorts of mythology here. They got a lot of things that, like... They've got a lot of, like, even for, like... Roles that have like two lines, they're like, oh, hey, I know that voice. Like, yeah, um, Wayne Knight is in this film. Wayne Knight is in for like two lines. Keith David has like two lines later. They got uh, <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait as Payne. And, um, oh, what's his face? James um, Woods. Are we no, talking uh, Hades? Well, not James Woods. No, I'm talking um, Max Headroom is Panic. <laughs> Okay, I don't know who Max Headroom is. You've said this name to me before, and it has never made sense to me. Matthew Fewer. Fewer? Sure. Um, He's the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The other dad. Okay. That, yes, I remember him now. But I mean, he's also Honey, he's also Max Headroom, but (laughs) sure, I'll just make. I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. He's... But now I said, honey, I shrink the kids. The one that isn't. Um, the one that we've looked at. The one that isn't Rick Moranis is the, the one guy. that isn't Rick Moranis. 
yes, is this guy. Um, but yeah, and and knowing that, if you listen to the voices, but like um, his adopted father is um, oh, what's his name? Um, Mark Twain. Um, Hal. Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mark Twain. Sure. You know the man famous for just only doing Mark Twain. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The man. <laughs> The man famous for doing Mark Twain. That isn't Samuel Johnson. Uh, Samuel Clemens. Damn it. That were oh, yeah, oh, you're right. I got the first name and I missed the landing. Oh, missed the landing. But Samuel yeah, Johnson yeah. was a different man yeah. entirely. Hal Holbrook plays his fa- his adopted father, which works for like this little farm, like little farm, old farm man having like yeah. Mark Twain voice being like, Oh, yes, my son. I can't do it. I can't do Mark Twain. Yeah, well, few people can. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's see. Who else haven't we covered yet for voices? Um, there was one I wanted to get oh, to. I love Susan Egan, who plays Meg, who is also known for being, um, if anyone is a theater person, she is the original Belle on Broadway. Ooh. And that actually almost cost her this role because they're like, we don't want to mix our princess voices. Mix their Dis- princess? Oh, because Belle well, because, and Meg. Because she was Belle on Broadway, which so yeah, she was yeah, on all sense. of the, the cast albums and stuff like that. They're like, we don't know if we want to cast you as another princess. Well, And so Meg, she kind of had to fight for the role. I think Meg is specifically not a princess. But she is within the princess. Um, I don't think she is. She's not sold on any, like, the posters. I, th- I think when they were casting this, okay. the intention was to have her that way. All right. Fair enough. Uh, the the other voice I couldn't remember that I wanted to get to was, of course, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Oh, um, Hercules' is Tate Donovan. Um, he's been in stuff for me. He played... He was in The O.C. Okay. He played... Um, what's her face's... Curly hair boy, cool no. man, the dad. I'm just naming characters I know from The O.C. The other dad... Because the dad you're thinking is Eyebrows Man. Was oh, yeah, of dad. course. I'm thinking of Eyebrows Man, who was in um, Big Daddy. No, uh, Mr. Rich Adam Sandler movie. Mr. Deeds. There we go. <laughs> he played uh, Misha Barton's father. Ah, uh, okay. But the guy you're thinking of is Peter Gallagher. Sure. Who also, actually, he is known for, for like, musicals, but he is known for stage musicals. Uh. And actually was in a lot of stuff like... Um, he did um, on the 20th century with Kirsten Chenowitz. He did a version of Guys and Dolls that was very popular. He's got crazy eyebrows. Mm-hmm. He's known for those. Yep, he's known mostly for his eyebrows. He's known mostly for his eyebrows. All right. I mean, we, if you know him, should, he was in while you were sleeping. Should we anyway, get back to, back, to back to Tate Donovan and not to Can Peter we get back Gallagher's to eyebrows? Greek mythology, please? You mean Heracles? Yes, let's get back to Heracles or Huncules, whatever you prefer. Huncules. Uh, Jim Cummings is in there, which you can of definitely... Of course he is. You can, two of his voices I recognize. Apparently he was at least two others that I did not recognize. Uh, I'm trying to play as Jim Cummings. I know he does a lot of voice work. He's Winnie the Pooh. He's um, Pete. Angry Pete. Goofy's okay. nemesis. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take a stab. What is he? Mercury. No. Okay. That's That was my only guess. What r- roles does he play? He's definitely, he is the river guardian. Nessus. Yes, because he definitely just sounds like Pete there. Okay, that makes sense. He's just a, oh, I'm the Pete sort of voice. And then he is the old man. 
who keeps talking about like oh, oh the, the town watering hole the, yeah with no teeth who's like oh they're gonna burn down the town and that was definitely him all right so we haven't covered much of the plot of this film. No! I don't know if we need to, because I think everyone, especially our age, saw Hercules, and it's it's literally the, the hero's journey. Hercules doesn't know where he belongs because yeah. he's too strong, and he doesn't fit in with normal people because he is a god that doesn't isn't a god anymore. So he goes and finds Phil. Yeah. Phil's a ghost. Mr. Danny DeVito himself, who is hitting on any moving creature, and sometimes oh, even a tree. I, I have in my notes, Phil is a perv. Yeah. Is one of my notes. Yeah, he is. He hits on every female character in this film. And then I guess, does he end up with like Aphrodite at the end? Some One of the gods is really into kissing him at the end. Probably Aphrodite. Yeah. Oh, some of, uh, I'd have to relook. Because some of the, the like Meyer background gods, like if I was staring at them, I could pick out from their details what they, mm-hmm. but it, a lot of it, it, it moves so really quickly quick. and like nobody's and they introduced. Fit, they fit a lot of gods into that background. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Hades office was another one that had really great details oh, on yeah. the scenery. Like his, like it just looked really, had a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the design of the muses. Uh, where they all are sharing the one eyebrow. No, oh, not God, the, the muses, muses, the fates, the fates. The fates. Not the eyebrow, but an eyeball. Where they all have <laughs> blank eye sockets. For some reason, Future is an alien, I guess. It only has one eye. But I like that they popped it in to see their particular point in history to yeah. see what was going on. I don't know why the line indoor plumbing's gonna be huge made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of modern references in this film. To be fair, Future was the one that said that. She's talking about, like, we we can see our uh, past, present, future, and she just leans over and goes, indoor plumbing's gonna be huge. Yeah. I mean, Haiti <laughs> should invest in getting pipes everywhere, there was I just, guess. There was something with the delivery that I just kind of lost, and I'm like, oh. Um... I think we should talk about Hades for a moment. Hades is great. Yeah. Hades is a wonderful Disney villain. I love the fact that that was not the way it was supposed to go. Oh, really? He was supposed to be a more traditional villain. He was supposed to be slow and dark and evil. Ah, And they were originally casting completely different people for that. Um, They talked about um, Terrence Mann, apparently, auditioned for the role, who I love Terrence Mann. If they had gone for the slow, menacing dark, Mm -hmm. Terrence Mann would be great. Um, If anyone's a theater person, he was the original Beast on Broadway. He was the original Chauvelin in um, Scarlet Pimpernel. He was was Rum Tum Tugger in (laughs) Gats. Um, He's done... The King in um, King Charlemagne in um, Pippin. He's done Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror. Amazing. Yeah. I love him. Like, great. If they had gone that way, he would have been fantastic voice for that. But um, came in and just kind of went... Um, James Woods. James Woods. I'm just like, Woods, Ed Woods. And I'm like, yep, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it's also not Samuel Johnson. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, Ed Woods. Ed Woods uh, trying out for that role would have been something very different. Um, but like just kind of came in and did did something very different Um, kind of treated him kind of like a used car salesman sort of like very very fast talking very scuzzy yeah very sleazy very angry all the time he reminds me of uh, Dennis Leary and the way Dennis Leary delivers his stand up yeah but like always about making the deal right 
because I don't know if that was traditional for Hades, but it's something that we in modern day associate with the devil of creating yes. deals to get souls. They're incorporating that here into the character. And yeah, it works really well. Yes. It is not something traditionally associated with Hades. Hades was actually pretty, aside from some spats with his brothers right. on how they divided up the world, pre- pretty chill. Yeah, because like, after in Greek myth... Originally, there's nothing. It's called chaos. Uh, and then they create the earth, and Zeus gets the so- the sky. Hades no. gets the earth. You're missing a generation. Oh, there was you're the talking about first. the Titans happened. I'm just, I skipped them. You Fine. skipped the whole thing about all the babies getting eaten and Zeus feeding his father a rock, and then all the babies getting thrown up. Because my point was Hades has all of the earth and not just the underrealm. Yeah. Uh, and then Neptune, or his equivalent... Uh, Poseidon gets the seeds. Anyway, but but Hades tends to be one of the chill. You see, like, in this, Zeus is like, I'm great, I'm awesome, I'm the mm-hmm. nice guy. He tends to be pretty awful in Greek mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah, He just sleeps with everything and then and has a lot of demigods uh, as offspring, including Hercules or Heracles or whoever. Kills a lot of people when he gets mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does what he wants. Hades, pretty chill, kind of just keeps to himself. Yeah, in fact, though, the one story I have in my mythology about Hades, he's minding his own business, and then Cupid decides to shoot him with an arrow, and that's when he takes Persephone. And there's actually multiple versions. Some earlier versions of the story have Persephone just kind of falling Mm. into the hole and showing up, not having him taking her. There's various versions. And them being pretty normal as a couple after all of that beginning stuff. So like and and four Greek myth myth couples. Yeah, they're one of the most normal. Yeah, one kidnapping's pretty pretty good. Right. If all you've got is one kidnapping, you're not like Zeus and Hera, where like you've had a baby as a cow or a swan. Uh huh. I'm I'm going. I I think like Hera stayed with Zeus after Zeus literally turns into a bull and impregnates a woman. Um, he also, Swan was one too. Sure. Um, and then she went nuts and we'll get to that. Well, with, with Hercules in his original myth with his first wife, she caused him to go crazy. He'll, he killed his wife and child, which leads him on to do the, the, the trials. Mm -hmm. He has to atone for his sins of killing his family and that leads to the trials. The, the tasks are what his tasks. So I have a slightly different version that I will find here first, but we should get into like original Greek myth. Hercules never starts as a god. Uh, he's a demigod, so he's got a strength yes. and everything. But, like, well, Hera in... hates him, and it's Hera who sends the snakes to kill him as a baby that fails. In the original myth, Hera is not his mother. Right. He's a bastard child of Zeus. His his mother is human. Is that right? That can't be right. Yes. Is his, his mother's human, or does his Oh, his mother, mother, his mother is human. I was yes. determining whether the term bastard is correct. It may be. His parents weren't married. That makes you a bastard. Okay. Is that all it takes? Pretty much. If uh, You would be illegitimate. So either you are not, parents are not married or in some way you're, if it was a royalty thing, your parents could be married, but married in such a way that you could not inherit. So in my version here in the Greek myth, so Hera basically makes Hercules a slave of Eurystheus. Sure. Uh, And then he's got to do labors to this guy. So he's basically sold to this guy, and that guy keeps giving him impossible tasks to do. Yes, but your version starts a little, ooh, little late. Mm -hmm. 
the reason he goes there in the first place is because the or the oracle advises him to go there ah. to atone for his actions. Gotcha. Because Hera had driven him mad and he killed his family. Yeah, that that happens. We should probably talk about the nicer version of this film. The nicer version. Um, there are twelve laborers. A couple of them. Get... A couple of them do show up. Um, at least. Yeah. Maybe so three? we've got he's got the Hydra. That's a real one. He fights a boar in a montage. He defeats the lion, which is Scar in here. Yeah. He, I think that's the sea serpent's a real one. At one point, we see him fighting like. Three monsters at once, kind of like a totem pole. I think that's a reference to a, a real Greek myth. But he also fights a vulture, and I could find no reference to that whatsoever. I don't think that was a... Was it a vulture? It was some flying bird. It. I assumed it was vulture-esque. I'm trying to remember. I remember at one point he caught a harpy. Okay. And then the, the other one they have here is him putting a rock on top of a volcano to stop it erupting. Yeah. And I don't know if that one's real either. The bird thing that they catch in the cave, that in the montage, yeah. the bird thing in the cage, that looked more to me like either a harpy or a siren because it looked like it had a woman's face. Okay. I can buy that. It, it passes so quickly. This is in uh, Zero to Hero. They do a quick quick succession of all the... The creatures that he has to defeat to save Thebes or that uh, Hades is sending after him. Basically the way that his myth is being spread, the the enemies he's defeating. Um, if we're talking about the enemies, I will talk about the one thing I think is kind of a nitpick thing, but I think one of the things I didn't think aged as well. Was it the Hydra? It was the Hydra. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's not awful, but you can definitely tell this is the, this was the growing pains of incorporating CGI. Yes. I liked that this film really limited its use of it. Yes. The only time we see it is with the Hydra. Yeah. And granted, the Hydra is supposed to be this mythological beast that should look slightly eerie and out of place. And I think it does that well. But, yeah. like, the textures on it are just wrong. Because it seems kind of reptilian or dragon-esque. Yeah. And, like, he should be scaly. He should have depth... To his yeah, skin. he feels very... He's just so smooth. Yes, he feels tuby, like a tube. Yeah. Like a, like a hose. And and there's definitely things where, like, it switches back and forth from the CGI of the Hydra to where it's just Hercules standing, and it's a little jarring. Yeah, in fact, when we see him cutting off heads, it's just like, close up on Hercules, we see him swing the sword, then swing the sword, then swing the sword. So, like, they're almost never in frame together fighting. And apparently they only did this because at the time to do that many heads, they had to do it. Right. With that. And that makes sense. And you know what? Really? Overall, it's it's still not bad. Yeah. It's not, it's not like you're going to look at it and go like, oh my, this isn't like some like terrible, terrible animation where you're going to be like, oh, it's disgusting to look like. This is really nitpicky. Right. Like really, in terms of like the transition to computer animation, this is still pretty good for mid-late 90s computer animation. Like The problem I took with this scene is a mathematical one. Because uh, is it because it's too many heads? The number of heads is wrong. So what we see, he cuts off one head. For every head you cut off, three more grow in its place. We see him cut six times. And if he cuts six heads off, the monster should have 13 heads. Uh, and then it zooms out. And the monster's got 24 heads. 
that's too many. Uh, and then later, in the same scene, without Hercules cutting off any more heads, it has 17 heads. And the number of heads has gone down because they couldn't fit any more heads in this frame. So, like, the monster is inconsistent. If you're gonna do a monster, have its rules be consistent throughout. Also, someone, actually, I looked it up, counted how many times he hits the thing yeah. and how many heads it should have. And there's too many heads. There's there two. should be 29. Okay. And there's 30 heads total. Oh, interesting. That's at least what Wikipedia, or the, the IMDb thing. That may be fine. They probably did the same thing I did. It's tough to say how many times he slices because we don't see him slice a head. Uh, we see the close-up. Also, when it completely zooms out, all the heads are moving around. So I tried to find a frame where I could count them all. So maybe there were 29 instead of 24. I don't know. No, I just wanted... I was going to just say that, oh, there was someone more pedantic than you about math. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then you said the thing about the, the pausing frames and stuff. And yeah. then, I'm, nope, I'm giving it back to you. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I also did the math to figure out if you cut off six heads, how many heads should it have? And does it matter if you cut... The three heads that go in a place, does it matter if you cut all three of those heads or if you just decide to cut always the rightmost head? It doesn't matter, turns out. It's 13 either way. You're welcome, internet. I don't want any more word puzzles. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know why I said that like this. It's fine. But no, yeah. It was such a nitpicky thing about the Hydra in that scene because you know what? If it wasn't if it wasn't a Disney movie and they did that scene, right. I'd be like, this is the greatest commute... This is the greatest computer animation of the 90s, but, like, when everything else is so great animation-wise, you're like, eh, this is a this is a B-plus when you've been working on your A game, so congratulations, you get a ding. <laughs> okay, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about characters that we really liked in this film, because I want to start with uh, the comic relief of the film, or at least one of the comic relief, Pain and Panic, the henchmen of Hades. I... Still love these guys. I do! Okay, so a lot of times getting older, the things that have aged the worst for me have been the talking sidekicks. Yeah, it's it's the comic relief. Like, as a kid, you love that they're making jokes. It makes the the thing fun. As an adult, the jokes don't always land. I've, I've talked before. I don't remember if it was on air or off air about Hunchback. One of the weakest things for it was the talking gargoyles. They fixed it in the stage show, in case anyone's wondering. But this kind of works for me, and it goes with the angle of what the way they took Hades is they made him kind of this middle management car salesman thing. And what do you need with a middle management who thinks he's in charge? You need lackeys for him to boss around and kick out to the the car lot and be like, oh, go go find that car and go make that sale. Mm -hmm. You need him to have lackeys. Yeah. And it works really well. I... I loved as a kid that they were named Pain and Panic, and one of them is always nervous, and one of them is always getting hurt. Like, to me, that was the epitome of being just a meta-naming scheme, but... Also, it, do you know the, the deeper thing on that? What? There's also two of the underlings of Ares, and two of the moons of, um, shoot, what is Ares's counterpart? Mars? Mars. Um are it's pain and panic oh is it in latin and so it is it is a play it's a joke that's really nice i did not know that 
But I remember really liking Panic because I got him uh, as a toy and a Happy Meal when I was a kid. Like, oh, I think, I think I did too. McDonald's had one where he, it's the part where he's holding the eye of the fates and he just, <sighs> yeah, it was a really neat toy. Now that you're saying this, I'm having this memory come to me. Uh-huh. Oh, Happy Meals were the best um, when you were a child. So as a kind of, I'll say I was a kind of a tomboy. As a child, sure. I was not super nice to people. <laughs> that, that's not what a tomboy is. That's just, no, but that's like just a jerk. You were a jerk growing up. No, no, but I was a tomboy, and I was kind of sarcastic, yeah, and I was okay. kind of like those were two different statements. Those were not the same statement when I said I was a tomboy, and also oh, okay, a, was that a better statement? Um, and so I always loved Meg. I thought she was great. So I like Meg because. In, like, this is still the era of the 90s Disney princesses, where they're constantly needing to be saved. They're a little I would bit... argue with you about that. I don't think they do, but right, right. go on. In the plots, I think they do. Like, Jasmine is sassy, but she still gets captured by Jafar, and Aladdin's gonna save her. Like, Meg, to me doesn't need a man in her life. She's not looking for a man. She could get by without one. I really like her character design. And, like, she's been jaded before. Mm. Uh, She's afraid to get into love again. And so, sure, she flirts with Hercules when she first meets him. But I don't feel like she's looking for romance in that particular instance. Well, she also is... In the middle of a contract she's trying to deal with. She's like, you know what? Fine, you're cute and all. I gotta deal with my own stuff at the moment. But she's also, she hits this very good sweet spot Mm -hmm. where she is tough and sassy and all this stuff. But she's not, there's a lot of characters that are trying to be that today. Right. And they they hit it too hard. And they just come across as mean um, or too aggressive or too hating, like, where they're trying to be the kind of... And they said they based Meg, um, Meg's characters a lot on those kind of, like, 1940s, kind of, like, His Girl Friday kind of screwball mm-hmm. comedy. Right. And you see that a lot. It's that kind of quick-talking wit sort of thing. Right. So, to bring it back to the Aladdin comparison, which yeah. is all I can think of right now, when Jasmine is in the market and she gets captured by the shopkeeper, Aladdin steps in and she's very thankful that he took care of the situation. When Hercules sees Meg and Nessus together, she's kind of ticked that he shows up. She's got it in hand. He's getting in her way of handling this situation. Well, I think that's partly just because the power ta- dynamic is shifted. In that scene, Jasmine is the naive one who's been kept in the palace the whole time. Sure. Aladdin's the streetwise one. In that one, Meg's the one who's been living out in True. in Thebes in the terrible city the whole time. Um, Hercules is the one who's been in like the little farm town who's never really seen crime and, mm-hmm. and just like hangs out in the farm with his dad. Well, so and he's, he's been on an island one. most of his life living with a goat yeah. man. Living with a goat man. Um, and his really dumb horse. Oh, yeah. His horse that is basically his, a dog. I his, do love oh, Pegasus. Oh, I love how he's described. He's like, so, what is it? He's a magnificent steed with the brain of a bird. <laughs> Accurate. So for me, um, I like Meg more than Hercules, actually. Because Hercules falls into this. Hercules is a nice boy. He's He's a very nice boy. But that but might be the problem. He's a That is exactly boy. the thing. He is super naive, and because he's so strong, 
he isn't brought down by society. He never has to like learn anything else. He to me, he almost that. falls into the uh, the Superman problem, where Superman is perfect. He is unbreakable. Well, he is unflinchable, and so like he never has to compromise his ideals, and that's what makes so him a boring sad. character to me. But he's so sad, and he sings that sad song. Oh, he has a really good. Who I want Superman? Song. No, oh no! Yes, yes. <laughs> Haven't you se- seen a? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. I have the not. failed musical that did not do well, and I don't think it's been put on. Ooh, who knows how long? I just know it's a thing because it was in one of my music. One of its songs was in one of my music books, and I have no idea what it's about except it's Superman. Sure. I know it's about Superman. There's probably you didn't a do it there's first, probably Spider-Man. a bird, probably a plane. Probably but yes. Superman. You didn't do it first, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Uh, I do really, really like I Can Go the Distance though. That is a good I want song. Uh, if you want a song that makes you feel yearning to like find your place. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. and like I I so Hercules was the first cassette tape that I owned. And so like I listened to that on repeat tape. so often. And so, like, as a little kid, like, every little kid, when they watch a movie, they think they're going to have the hero's journey when they grow up. And, like, that, that song is all about him starting his journey, him breaking out in life and finding his place and f- finding where he belongs. And, like, as a little kid, that really spoke to me. It's like, yeah, someday I'm going to be Hercules, guys. Someday I've got to get muscles. It's going to be great. I mean, you kind of got the muscles part. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting there. I mean, you're better than you were. Thank you. Good job to Roger Bart. You did a good song. You did a good song. Roger Bart's the singing voice. Um, You might recognize him. He was in The Producers. He's, um, I think, the assistant. Oh, he was Nathan uh, Lane? Yes, he was Nathan Okay. Lane. Let's see. Like, So, I like the dynamic between Meg and Hercules. I kind of buy their relationship and like the fact that they are getting on as long or as well as they are because hercules is the hero mentality he's never had to compromise everything he believes wholeheartedly everything he is talking about well and she's so jaded like yes the reason she's stuck in this contractor's hazes is because she sold her soul to the devil for her boyfriend her boyfriend's like yeah bye and I think Hercules is so earnestly stupid that she's like, there's no way he can betray me because he's so dumb. That's the only person Meg could fall for was a person who doesn't know how to be deceptive. The person who doesn't know how to leave her. Like, he is so pure. He's the only one who can break her jaded heart. He's a golden retriever and he has a real dumb horse. Yeah. I love it. I thought Baby Pegasus was the cutest thing oh, in the world yeah. when I was little. Though I did like, think oh. Baby Hercules was a real chunky baby. <laughs> a little chunky. He's real fat. He looked, uh, he looked like with, the character like, in uh, the clumps with the one that they call Hercules, Hercules. I have no idea. Oh, well, that's fine. It's not a great film. Um, but he kind of looks like a baby seal because he has real tiny legs and just like the beefiest upper body and a head the size of a ham. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, oh gods upon gods. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't even know where we 
are now. Uh, we're jumping around. We're talking about characters. We talked about Hercules and Meg's relationship. Oh, oh speaking of I Will Go the Distance, Disney loves themselves a belting tenor, don't they? Oh, they sure do. The one oh. problem I have with that song in this film is it's not continuous. Like, they oh, take a yeah. break for a nice little talk with Hercules and his dad. It's like, hey, you should go the distance, but you can't do it here. Go talk to Hi. this statue. Maybe he'll talk back. I don't know. Gods. <laughs> and then it goes on, and then he goes like, there was a cool moment where he goes through the clouds and turns yeah. sideways Millennium Falcon-wise and then goes, whoom. <laughs> Sorry, what? Where are we? <laughs> At the very end, after he sees the statue and he gets his horse, and then he oh, flies okay. his horse up through the, the clouds, and it goes up, it like he goes sideways, and it goes up into the stars. It was just a really cool, like visual, and yeah. it's like there's a lot of cool visuals in this. The audience can't see me, audience, but I'm doing like weird hand motions. I love the animation of uh, Pegasus's feathers because, like, they. Um, the way that they animate the wings was so interesting, and the way that they use the wings were like he's trying to get in Hercules' way at one point. At one point, they're they're together, and he's like a a little helicopter. Like he can fly in so many different ways, and it's a character that you could have done just so simply and animated one way throughout. But they varied it so much in this film. Really great. I like this film, guys. I do too. We while we're on the subject of songs, we talk about I can go the distance. Uh, the other song, well, there's two I want to get to. Uh, we can talk about one less shot. Yeah, like for for being a Disney movie, this isn't as song heavy as yeah. some of the others. It's I think Aladdin isn't song heavy either. I just remember like two or three yeah. good songs from it. I feel like this is in the same ballpark, but. So I'm guessing this wasn't actually Danny DeVito singing and just like one of those voice doubles. I don't know because I know there was a double for Hercules, but I don't remember if there's other any other singing voice doubles. Okay. If it is Danny DeVito, I'm kind of impressed. I mean, he isn't, I won't say he's doing a great job singing, but he's doing a pretty good job singing. He has a very distinct voice. On the IMDb list, the only singing voice dub that I'm seeing is for Hercules. All right, props to Danny DeVito. You made a pretty good song. Uh, but I like, um, I love the montage that's going on. It's so the, the training scene where Hercules goes from a scrawny teen to the buffest man possible, which I don't know where they're getting the beef to feed this beefy boy. Uh, given they're living on an island away from society. And you can't eat those goats. Those goats are your friends and your lawnmowers. Yeah. You can't eat those goats. Phil doubles as a lawnmower, too. You could lose one goat, maybe two. But look, Disney goat faces. I don't think I could eat that goat. And I eat, like, I am the most meat eater. Yeah, but I like, love steak. I couldn't eat that goat. Then how did he get so buff? They, it's not like they had Grecan protein powder. I don't know, a lot of fish. Okay, I'll buy that. They're on an island. I just, I can't eat that goat. I can't eat that goat. Uh, You don't have to eat the goat. We won't make you eat the goat next time, though. Uh, But yeah, the the trials that he's going through in this montage are very fun. I love the little obstacle course at the end of the 
the thing. I also love the character design of Phil, that he has trained all these heroes before. He is also he's also given up on his dream, which is kind of the same as Meg has, uh, her dream of finding love in the world. And I really like that that through line that Hercules, because he is so pure, because he is so true to finding his own path, he is helping people find their dreams as well, even though they've been jaded in the past. Um, he also just looks like Danny DeVito and a goat. I mean, yeah, if you gave Danny DeVito goat legs, he would look exactly like Phil. Yes. It's a very good character design. I think that's... Have we talked about all the big ones? Have we talked about all the big ones? Are you talking big songs? Because there's one more we should get to. I thought we were still talking about characters. And I was like, I lost where we were. I got distracted. I know. I can see the internet in the reflection of your glasses. Oh, it's, it was, I. So so this is, this is the, for, for our audience, this is the part of the podcast where Sarah Goes on a on internet hole or like looks up something else, and usually me and Mark do some of the talking for a while well, until Sarah decides to come back and join is, us. So if if the audience would like to know my internet hole is one of the people that did voices in this also did voices in Beauty and the Beast, and her character listed on IMDb in Beauty and the Beast says Bimbet, Bim-bet. and I'm trying to figure out. If Bimbet means one of the stupid girls, ah. or if that is a misspelling of Babette. Babette, which was the maid? Yes. Okay. But I cannot tell. <laughs> well, we may never know. There may not be an answer to the mystery out there for you. Annie, the woman was Mary Kay Bergman, and she's also um, in South Park. Oh. So, but the point was, I got really distracted, and I'm like, is like, that the dumb what girls? What is a bimbet? What is a bimbet? And why is that a character in a Disney movie? Because I feel like in the stage version, they're just called silly girls because bimbet seems a little <laughs> harsh for what they call I mean, the that is on point, though. That's kind of what they are. But oh. why don't we get on to the other major song? Oh, the one that- apparently in the thing, she was just called Fifi. Fifi? <laughs> That's a dog's name. I guess she was called Fifi originally. Okay. Why don't we get called... back to Hercules? Sorry. That's fine. We are only recording on audio in real time. I was I was still on the topic of Disney. <laughs> I know. We were still in Disney. Alright. Well, do you have any notes on I won't say I'm in love? Because I like it. Yeah, it is one of my favorite Disney songs. It's always been on my list of things I've wanted to do for a solo. Yeah, also, so you, need the, one... you need the backup muses to do it. Um, I like that at one point they're in the positions of the grin grinning ghost statues. Oh, yes. That's why she's holding the head. Um, I like in general that there's a very... So this is what... Hercules goes in the category of what I... Within the Disney Renaissance, this goes in the category of, like, second-tier movies. Right. Quality-wise, I don't think they should be considered second-tier, but they were kind of, like, they were given a little bit more freedom to be a little darker and stuff. Like, Hunchback goes in this category, Mm -hmm. but, like, it wasn't a main princess movie. It wasn't something like Lion King that had the huge, biggest budget in the world. It was kind of something that was still a big project. It wasn't quite third-tier, like... 
um, Atlantis or Treasure Planet was, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't um, a Lion King or something like that. Um, and so they got to play around a little bit more with styling. So we're like yeah. Hunchback got a lot of its inspiration from music from um, obviously Catholic mass mm -hmm. and Catholic music. This, the whole doo-wop kind of yeah. soul music. The gospel music I love is it. amazing. The gospel music ha and, and having that play through into her, her ballad with the backup singers. I think it's fun. Yeah. Like there's on paper gospel music with Greek mythology shouldn't work, but they make it work in this film, and it is amazing. And in some ways it does work, because if you talk about, like, at this point, Little Shop of Horror had already been a thing when this came out. Okay. And that plays again with the idea of using the gospel Motown sort of music as this Greek chorus. That's true. Yeah. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, it's not obviously the most obvious thing in the world, but you know what? I mean, having a, a group... And a harmonized group being the the titular Greek chorus mm -hmm. is it's fun. I like the idea. Yeah, I like that in this movie where Meg is not the title character, so it's not necessarily a story about Meg. She gets her own song, and yeah. it's a song where it's it's come a long way from someday my prince will come. Yeah. It's her saying I don't want to accept my feelings. I don't want to admit that I'm in love with him. I don't want to be in love again because I've been hurt. And it's it's definitely like a two-sided thing where secondary characters normally didn't get their own song. Yeah. The princes never got a song. Jasmine didn't get a song. It was always you're a, you were the title character, you didn't get a you didn't get a song by yourself. You got a duet with your love interest or you got nothing. Yes. And I I really like that we're seeing from Meg's perspective, it gives the character actual depth. She's not the the manic pixie dream girl. She's not like the the ideal damsel in distress that's a prize for the hero. She is given like actual a backstory, actual character to work within. And I think Disney has. I mean, obviously they had their dead period for a very long time, and it wasn't until we've got the new I don't it's not the I don't know what they deem what we're in at the moment cuz this was the renaissance who knows what we're in now um, the new renaissance the, uh, the what's the industrial revolution where where does steampunk fit steampunk fit in anyway but when you looked at like tangled they gave Flynn a lot more singing and i mean maybe a lot of that is because they got Zachary Levi who yeah. is a broadway actor um, and they're like, okay, we trust you. They didn't always necessarily cast people as the princes who they determined they wanted to sing. <laughs> they're like, you got a good voice. You sound attractive, but we're not going to let you sing. Yeah, of course not. But we like, couldn't possibly <laughs> let you sing in this musical. That would be absurd. But like, Zachary Levi, you've done a couple musicals. We'll give you a song. We'll give you some songs. You sound pretty. Did he have a solo song? I, I he remember did not have a solo song. Solo song. He had duets and he yes. was in a lot of the bigger songs yes but like it wasn't like he just stood there like before then did any of the well beast sang right he didn't get a solo did any other princes sing oh that's a good question um not necessarily a prince but john smith had a song um eric did not sing at all no right 
I, I don't believe I think he maybe um, Sleeping Beauties, did he sing a little bit in um, do, 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 uh, Once Upon a Dream? Yeah, he may have sang Trying to Find s- Her. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I know Eric didn't sing at all. Eric was like... Yeah, Eric's nope. Eric's very basic. Eric, Eric's... Eric, Eric is very basic. <laughs> I don't know why she was so... She was interested because he was deemed important enough to have a statue. Yeah. Yeah. So... Let's move on towards the, the end of this film, because um, we're slowly getting there. We talked about the characters we liked. We talked about the songs we liked. So we're getting to the final climax of the film. Hercules has done his trials, uh, which we only see really in montage. The one that we really get to digest is his first one against the Hydra. And he is... What is the film's been building up to is Hades is going to release the Titans to take Mount Olympus... And he needs to get Hercules out of the way so that he doesn't interfere with this plan. And He doesn't release the Kraken, though. No, he does not. Even though, I mean, the Titan's being held at the bottom of the sea. You gotta figure there's at least one Kraken in there. He could have released the Kraken if he wanted to. Didn't release the Kraken... It's Pirates um, of the Caribbean? No. Yeah, it's from Clash of the Titans! Oh, Okay. There may or may not be a Kraken in Pirates. I don't recall. I was like, I was like, I know it's from something. Somewhat Greek. related to this mythology. In that one, Hera is like, they they portray, like, as bad as that movie is, mm-hmm. which is sad because there's a lot of good actors in that terrible movie, which they continued in the remake where it was a, a lot of good actors in a terrible movie. Because, like, like, Maggie Smith is in the original, and I like, um... Harry Hamlin, um, but like they have the animosity between Hera and Zeus, where it's like, well, I want my son to do this and be safe, and your son, and you have all these sons, and I have this one son, and you're awful, and we're gonna fight and release the Kraken. Uh, uh, but for me, at this point in the film of Hercules, the film that we're supposed to be talking about, um, there's no Kraken. There is no Kraken, but I if. The character finally got interesting to me because for most of the film, Hercules basically been invincible. He uh, can get crushed by rocks. He can get squeezed in the the hand of a hydra. He can get hit by a water guardian. But like, he's basically fine. He's basically an action figure you can throw across the room, and he he won't get hurt in the slightest. I like. The way that they took this, where Hades makes a deal, says, you take a break for 24 hours, uh, Meg will get a freedom, and I promise she won't get hurt, but I'm going to take away your strength. Like, as soon as he loses his strength, Hercules becomes interesting to me, because then he is going up against these impossible odds with just a mortal body. That's, that's bravery to me. Not facing them when you have superpowers, facing them when you don't have them. And we knew... And there had to be something because, I mean, that's kind of the point right. because he's been doing all these trials and and helping all these people and killing all these things. And he's like, well, it's great. Look, I did all these things and the city loves me. And Zeus is like, yeah, that's not how it works. Right. And Zeus gives the worst advice, but the advice you see in so many movies is just look inside your heart. That's not an answer, Dad. <laughs> um, but it really is the idea of, well, it's not really being a hero if there's no sacrifice. Exactly. And, like, even though 
Hercules is dedicating his life to these people, he's doing things that are relatively easy for him. He's not taking risks. Once he found out the Hydra really couldn't kill him, he's like, yeah, none of this is really hard. Yeah, I'll just create an avalanche, and then I'll be fine, and this Hydra will die. Oh, quick side note of the Hydra. In the mythology I have, the Hydra's a real beast. Two heads. It does have two heads. It does grow more heads, but one of the heads is immortal. It cannot die. Uh, I think others can die without spawning new heads, but one specifically can't. And Hercules actually does defeat it by crushing the immortal head underneath a rock and preventing it from dying. So at least they got that part part right. In most mythologies, it grows two heads with each one, not three heads. That's fair. Yeah, there's a creature in Hellboy that is much the same as that. But we're talking about Hercules, so I'm going to get back to Hercules. You mean Hercules. That's right, honey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. It's just so good. All right, so the Titans are released. They are also, there are so many really, really stupid people. Like, really, everyone is stupid except for Meg and Hades. Correct. Everyone else is a moron. Yeah. Some of them are nice morons. I think some of the townspeople have streetwise intelligence. Like, they're not super intelligent, but, like, they know some things. We didn't even talk about Clock Guy and the Guy in the Barrel. Guy in the Barrel. The guy in the barrel who keeps saying the end is coming. Oh, okay. I did see the guy. I had a note on him that that's the, that's the point where I laughed in the film because that's hilarious to hear from a guy in ancient times. He's like, the end is coming and he's in a barrel. I like the guy fencing, st- fencing stolen watches, yes. but they're all sundials. Right, right. But you forgot, you forgot the implication where they are walking... They're walking down some stairs. We see the back of this guy open up his trench coat. The implication is that he is a flasher. And then we get a shot of him. And he is selling off-brand sundials. Sundials. There is... Oh, this movie has a lot of of jokes and a lot... Yeah, it's got a lot of modern references in this. But also just a lot of, like, really, really stupid, like, Greek reference jokes. When the kids are trapped in, well, it's pain and panic disguises can trapped in the caves. They say call 911, but they say it in Roman numerals. <laughs> it's like call, what is it? Call I-X. Yep, I-X-I-I. Uh, I, yeah, that's what he's like. Oh, it's okay. Because like, I, oh I honestly goodness. didn't get that even as adult. I assumed he was referencing like a modern organization that we have. Oh. That would be able to help people trapped in mines, some sort of international organization. No, it was 911 in Roman. God. Uh, the, the joke that I remember is uh, Hercules spends the day with Meg. They're walking around a oh. garden afterwards. He's like, the, God, the that Oedipus. play, Oedipus. I thought I had problems. I had problems. Which is oh. only funny if you've seen <laughs> But let's talk about the Titans. Because I, I like the design of the Titans, but, like, I don't know if the Titans were actually this in Greek mythology. Because they're all, like, natural disasters. Where you have no. you have uh, a giant rock guy representing earthquakes. You've got basically the Ice Age. You've got a lava guy. You've got a tornado. And you got a Cyclops. 
So I appreciate that, like, they wanted to go the route of it being natural disaster, something that could happen in Greece times that we could also experience at our own times so that we can connect to the past in that way. But I don't think these are accurate representations because Zeus's dad, Kronos, was a titan, wasn't he? The, the titans are closer, basically just like the Olympians. Right. Just a generation above. Yeah, because Atlas was also a titan. And his punishment was, was to hold the world. I'm trying to remember who was the monsters that got sent into Tartarus. Because they're what they're closer to. Um, there were some of the Titans who their children were basically monsters, and those monsters got sent. And that seemed more like those what those were referencing, uh, okay. and just called them the Titans. Because the Titans basically were just the the Olympians, but they were all seemingly more humanoid stuff like that. Um, these seems more like um, the. If I think of the word, I will either say it in about five minutes sure. or... Uh, but, so, as much as I like this film, the, the final fight scene it has been leading up to the entire film, I don't think is a very good payoff. Because you, mm. you have the Titans storming Mount Olympus, you have all these big monsters with, like, flame breath and ice breath and a guy made of rocks and one that's a little... Or, literal tornado storming the heavens and the gods every god there immediately mounts a counterattack. they're not being surprised in any way uh so like zeus is throwing his lightning bolts Ares has got his chariot so many gods and chariots fly off of mount olympus and go and swarm these and they don't stand a chance at all the titans dominate them to a point where, like, the lava guy and the ice guy team together and they just encase Zeus in a, a pile of rock. Of course they dominated. We're supposed to remember them. Yes. That's what that whole De Denzel Washington film is about. It's, it's the speech in the graveyard. <laughs> uh, but, so, like, the thing that it's been building up with Hades taking over Mount Olympus is kind of boring. Because there's no drama here. The Titans are just dominating. The exciting part that is going on concurrently is Hercules facing off against the Cyclops because he's doing that without powers. He, by all means, should die against this guy because this guy is hitting him with uh, a fist that is the size of Hercules' body. He is throwing Hercules into billboards that were made for Hercules. But Meg is able to get Phil back and Phil is able to coach him so that Instead of using his strength, which was always his uh, greatest ability, but also kind of a liability, he's using more agility to dodge the attacks, throw the, uh, the large Cyclop off balance, which eventually pushes him off of a cliff. Like, this has not been what the film has been leading up to. The film has not been leading up to Hercules facing off against a monster without his powers. It has been facing, leading up to Hades storming the heavens. And this other part is way more exciting than the thing we've been waiting the whole film for. So in that regard, the film is not really well balanced. And even after, uh, so Hercules knocks the monster off and inadvertently knocks over a pillar that would kill him. Meg pushes him out of the way just in time and ends up getting hit by the pillar, breaking Hades' deal, 
and Hercules gets his strength back and decides to go save his dad and all the other gods. So when he gets back up there, it's a two-second thing. Hercules is there for a split second, frees his dad, and all of these gods who have previously failed against fighting these titans are suddenly able to push the titans back. And, like, with Hercules there, I don't see a lot changing. I don't know. That was my impression on that, the Mount Olympus fight scene, is that it was almost not worth it. Yeah, it was, it it felt very short. Yeah. It felt very rushed. Yeah, because, I mean, as soon as Hercules gets up there, frees his dad, his dad starts throwing lightning bolts, and then Hercules just uses the tornado guy, gets all the titans together, and throws them into the into space and they explode. It yeah. it's like three seconds he's there. I wish there had been more moments of watching the various gods planning things so we could actually see more of the different gods doing their different things. Right. Or like make it so that the gods look like they stand a chance against the Titans and then because Hades is clever uh, like have Hades betray the people and that's how they lose like yeah. make it slightly more dramatic yeah but this is probably the most disappointing part of the film had the film ended here i think i would have been really disappointed in it but luckily they had more to do and this is where hercules goes down into basically hell to save megara and, like, this is the heart of the film for me. This is where they bring everything back. Bring it back around. Yeah. Uh, I particularly like the nod um, when Hercules goes into hell. He busts into Hades' office riding Cerberus. Uh, because that was one of H- or Hercules' 12 trials was he had to bring Cerberus from hell back to the surface. So he actually had to tame the beast. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I also like this is where um, the fates start coming in again because in the beginning we established everyone has a a mortal coil so to speak that the face just have a pair of scissors and they can cut at any time and that person dies that's the string of fate the string of fate i prefer mortal coil i mean yeah but uh i mean that but it is another phrase that is used as like a string of fate right i just love this moment where hercules is giving up everything to save a woman that he loves and within greek mythology there's several stories of people going down and trying to get people back and i don't think hercules is one of them i don't yeah i don't believe he is yeah he's got like five wives i don't know what he did with all of them so the closest i can get a couple the closest i can get to this part in the mythology that i have is i think i think it's i think it's theseus who is another big hero, an admirer of Hercules, who goes into hell to save uh, the woman that he loves, and he fails, and because of that, he's trapped in hell. At one point, to get Cerberus, Hercules goes into hell, finds that Theseus is there, is like, hey, what are you doing here? I'll let you out. What the heck are you doing down here? You're not dead at all, buddy. Uh, So that's the closest I could get to this part. But I like this Safe. Disney version. I especially like the, the animation of the souls. Because all the souls are kind of like flowing in the river Styx. And this is a huge whirlpool of all these just... These poor, unfortunate souls uh, spinning. I don't know how they could get any lower than hell. But this whirlpool seems to go 
be going into a lower level. They're not in hell, they're just in the underworld. Fine. Hell implies some sort of punishment. In most Greek mythology, I think in once you're in the river, you just kind of lose your memory and you just become kind of a blob. A blobfish in the river. This scene for me... Don't quote me on my Greek mythology, it's been a while. You're not a Greek scientist? But anyway, the underworld is not torture as we Yes, it's not the hell, hell torture that we know at, like it's in just Christian kind of a, myth. Or or any sort of thing or or uh, Roman mythology has does have some area of the underworld that is a I think punishment area for like but they also have like they're just kind of like boring middle level and then you have the Elysian fields which is for warriors. <laughs> now, what about the uh do they have an area for people who talk in the theater? No. Oh, that's a real shame. All right. Well, because they didn't. Oh no, I was gonna say they didn't have theaters, but I'm like, of they course they did. Theaters. Yeah, I was also quoting Firefly. I know they were, but I was gonna be like, they don't have a theater, and I'm like, oh wait. Yeah, they, they invented, invented theater. All right. So this scene where Hercules dives into this river of souls, and he is. He's still mortal, even though he has his strength. So we see him slowly aging, going into old age, giving up literally the entire time span of his life to save this woman who sacrificed herself for him and that he's fallen for. And I love that just as the muses, or not the muses, the fates, are about to cut his lifeline, it turns to gold and he gets godliness uh, and comes out of this pool of souls just shining. I love the way that he looks as a god, because the, the gods in Hercules have just this this glow about him. Yes. And, like, we we see a part of the glow. There's something really interesting done with the animation. When he loses his strength, he dims a bit, and becomes, like, pallid, almost sickly-looking in his skin tone. And when he gets it back, he looks healthy, he looks vibrant, he has a bit of a glow to him, and then when he reaches full godliness, he is like a beacon of light in this underworld. So yeah, this this moment to me was what saved the film. Had it ended with the Mount Olympus fight, it wouldn't have been very great. With this other part of it, it makes the film amazing. Um, yeah. I don't think I have anything to add. You said a lot of things. I did. I've been doing a lot of talking. You keep taking all the good stuff, and I, I don't know. have anything left to say. Well, we gotta talk about the constellation. There's one more big decision that Hercules makes. I can hand that off to you. Um, he gotta decide if he's gonna go live with his parents. Uh-huh. Or move out and find a lady friend. Well, he's already found the lady friend. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically it. He's a grown adult. He's gotta move out. Except he's never lived there, because he was adopted. yeah. I don't know why I worded that so <laughs> That's a very strange way to word it. <laughs> but he he finally gets everything he wants. He's taken up into Mount Olympus on a cloud and greeted by his parents and all the gods who grant him godliness. Now, he has had to do all of this work to achieve the level of God, right? Yes. And in an instant, they could just take that away for him. Like, he decides, I'm going to live with my girlfriend, mom and dad. You guys aren't very accepting of mortals, even though, dad, you sleep with them all the effing time. Uh, but, sure. I don't know if it's they don't accept them, or, like, is it, like, 
You know in Harry Potter that they have that spell that, like, the boys can't go in the girls' dorms oh, and, right. like, the stairway will become a slide? Maybe that's just like that. It's not like, it's not our choice. Like, the clouds will just, like, reject you and she'll just fall through and it's not our choice. We just can't control the clouds. That's And fair. we don't want her to fall through the oh, clouds. Oh, if only we had cloud powers. Who's the god of clouds? The Michelin Man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, but... Uh. I like, he's done all this work. So, the gods in an instant can rescind godliness by choice. But, like, they couldn't do that when he was a baby? Like, clearly something went wrong. And the baby was, they could have just given the godliness to the baby and then there's no movie. That's all I'm saying. It seems like the rules about how you get godliness and how you lose it are kind of just up in the air. Well, I think it, so at one point they considered making a sequel. Oh, really? How do you make a sequel to this? Is this where he goes crazy and kills Meg? Well, yes. So, I think this was at the point where, like, everyone's gonna get a sequel. You get a sequel, you get a sequel. Oh, yeah, because those did really well. Um, (laughs) Controversy. Disney intended for the film to have a premiere in somewhere in Greece. Yeah, that makes sense. And Greek 2 Super said, another case of foreigners distorting our history and culture for commercial interest. And I'm like, get with it, Greece! We're doing it to ourselves. We might as well do it to you. (laughs) Oh, I do need, well, after we finish, I do need to share the story of how Hercules actually dies, at least in my version of mythology. Uh, But something about, like, I guess the plan was for, like, that he didn't really completely lose his thing. He just kind of, kind of, like, went into maybe, like, a, like, a cocoon state where he was semi-human and maybe became a god again and somehow... They would make Meg a god too, and they'd all get to go. They'd all get to go to Cloud City. The, the other thing that bothered me is like, yeah, mom and dad, I'm not, I'm not really ready to become a god, so you can take the god powers away. But uh, leave me my strength, please, please leave me my strength. Like he maintains that part of his godliness, but he rescinds everything else. But like everyone goes to Cloud City, everyone gets a cool cape. All right, I can buy that. Uh, it's a real. That's what you get in Cloud too. City, right? Yes, exactly. This is Empire Strikes Back. All right. Uh, uh, Though the line that hit me so much when he is making this decision is like, I'm going to go live on Earth. I know where I belong. Like, that hit me just because, like, the emotion of that opening number with Hercules where he is searching his entire life. He thinks he's got to be on Mount Olympus. But no... He knows for sure I'm meant to be with her. Like, that just, oh, that hit me so good. Home is people. Soylent Green is people. Oh. Sorry. So the film ends with Phil finally getting his wish, where they rearrange the stars to put Hercules up into the sky, and the people look up and say, hey, ain't that Phil's boy? Which is all Phil has ever wanted. (laughs) It's just, he just wants the notoriety (laughs) of being... Known as the guy who trained the greatest hero of all time. Oh, Phil. Oh, Phil. And maybe to stop getting hit in the head with things. Yeah. That happens to him a lot. It does. But that's a real Disney thing. They did miss out on a classic Disney thing that I thought they were going to do, where at one point, Phil gets mad at one of the townsfolks, and uh, because he's a goat, he bites his pants and rips off the section I expected the guy to be wearing those classic uh, underpants oh, like the with heart hearts. Boxers? Yeah. But it was just, it was a white pair of underpants, but I think it had like red spots. So, like, they got so close, but they just didn't do that reference. 
We'll see if That's we can fun. post something on that. I'll find a picture. All right. But the story of Hercules' death, at least in my version of mythology, goes like so. This is after he's killed Meg in a terrible passion uh, and has married Dejanera. Oh, yes, that delightful Dijon Mustard. Yes, oh, the Dijon <laughs> Mustard, or his trainer, Philip's Titties. <laughs> Let's see. So he comes to a river. Uh, and there's this river guardian, Nessus. We see him in the film. He's the centaur Meg is talking to. Hercules decides, you know what? I'm just going to ford the river. I don't need, really need to cross this bridge that you're guarding. Uh, but why don't you take my wife across? So Hercules gets to the other side, and Nessus has decided, I'm going to keep Dejanera. And he runs off with her. Hercules like, nah, I'm not having it. And he kills the centaur to save his wife. Now, the centaur, just before dying, talks to the wife. Is like, hey, take some of my blood. Whenever you think Hercules is maybe interested in other women, give him some of my blood and he will remain yours forever. And this doesn't happen for a while until Hercules takes a prisoner, a fair maiden named Eoli, and Dejanera gets jealous. And so he decides, I know, I got that centaur blood. She puts the blood on a coat and gives Hercules the coat as a present, and the coat burns him horribly. And so he tries to rip it off, but it it is so entwined in his skin that ripping off the garment to save from the burning basically breaks whole pieces off of his body. He loses all his muscles and becomes just bone, and because... Because his wife was jealous of a prisoner he wasn't even interested in, Hercules dies because of the centaur's blood. So that's the story of how Hercules dies in Bullfinch's mythology. So yes, but... Yes, but... According to Wikipedia, all of that happens, but as his body burns, the things that burn... Right. ...is his human body. Mm Mm-hmm. But his immortal side is still left, and basically his immortal glowy side, his human body has been burned to bits. His immortal glowy side goes up to Olympus and becomes a full god. Oh, okay. And then he gets married again. Okay, because this one has Zeus taking him, his immortal part, and using that to add to the stars and create the constellation. Nope, this has him going up to Olympus and marrying Hebe. Who is the cupbearer for the gods. Good old heebie-jeebie. Heebie-jeebie. I mean, it might be Hybe. Who's to say? I'm dyslexic. (laughs) And I'm not Greek. Yep, we've never claimed to be Greek scientists. (laughs) The, The real kicker in the story I have is once Hercules is added to the heavens, Atlas feels the extra weight put on him. So, like, every time the gods create a new constellation, they're just like, Atlas, hold this. I know you're only holding the entire heavens. Here's an extra, like, 20 pounds. It's just every constellation they make is a real dick move to Atlas. But so either he got to s- turned into stars or he went up to join his father mm-hmm. and got remarried a fourth time. So. There you go. Yeah, the many, many wives of Hercules the Great. So you decide... So, that's all I have. I assume that is all you have as well in terms of notes. Yeah. That's all, all right. Got. Let's go on to games!
Our first game is the pitch game, a game where we put two or three properties together in the form It's This Meets This to describe this film. So I'm going to start us off and have Sarah guess, based on my descriptions, what movies I put together to describe the film Hercules. So Sarah, Sarah, you know the rules. You have to li- you have to wait for me to finish <laughs> both descriptions before guessing the answer. But I always forget the first one by the time. That's the challenge. I'm so dumb. <laughs> so, since this is a film where a baby falls from the sky, is raised on a farm uh, with supernatural strength, goes to an island to learn more about his abilities, goes to a local metropolis to become a hero, and falls for a sassy woman who plays by her own rules and doesn't take any gruff, and a musical film featuring a woman who is not exactly an innocent damsel getting caught up in a shady underground business featuring a lot of religious mythology and iconography and a whole lot of soul music. So, Sarah, do you have a guess? I know what the first one is. All right. I was going to make a joke and say it was Baby's Day Out. <laughs> you the baby, baby is so falling. strong. I hate that movie. That movie's terrible. That, that movie's so boring. All right, let me give you a hint on a no, second I know, one. I know the first. I was going to say Little Shop because you said soul. But- right. So think sassy woman church soul music. Sister Act? Correct. Okay. So it is Superman meets Sister Act. Sister Act. Yeah, I got the Superman one. Yeah, it yeah. was not Baby's Day Out. It was not. All right, do you have one, Sarah? I do. Um, So it is a movie that involves Greek mythology and all of the almost political uh, relationships and arguments that go with everyone basically being related to each other and them fighting it out. All right. I might know this one because you may have mentioned it already. (laughs) Like five times. Meets a musical that involves a Greek chorus, a... A sad sack man who tries to find love and affection, and and so he so, stop. So is and and his mentor who has a New York accent. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so could this be the films that you've mentioned during <laughs> our discussion, which are? Clash of the Titans meets Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that well. I did write this while watching the movie, and then it just made it's sense all right. to bring them I, up, and I couldn't I think of I have to work others. so hard. Not, I had to work so hard not to make a Superman reference while Ooh, we were discussing. You did, though. All right, so <clears throat> I have two more, uh, so we'll get through them as quickly as possible. Here we go. A film where a nation's mythology comes to life featuring a farm boy, a supernaturally strong character, and a character taming a twister. And a Disney musical with moving artwork done in a classical style, featuring a demigod regaining his power, plunging into the depths to retrieve something lost, and facing off against an enemy made of lava. Okay, so I know the second one's... Moana, right? Correct. Which is a movie I still haven't seen. Okay, so the first one, yeah. I'm gonna guess a movie that I think is wrong because I swear I'm the only person that's seen this movie. <laughs> what do you think? I think it's Tall Tale. It is Tall Tale. <laughs> it is Tall Tale meets Moana. I swear I was the only person who saw that movie. 
No, uh, so the part that really sold Tall Tale to me was when um, Hercules takes control of the twister at the end. So yeah, it's a real Pecos Bill moment for me. I, I don't remember a whole lot. I remember like John Henry is uh-huh. there and stuff. But like literally I've mentioned that and people are like, I don't, I don't, is that a movie? And I'm it like, it wasn't great. It am I movie- the <laughs> Because you had Pecos Bill, who could travel by Twister and would shoot off people's Sugar's fingers. You had John Henry uh, that was going up against the uh, uh, the steam driver, and then Paul yeah, Bunyan he, was the third. Yes, one. and and the 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 big uh, the babe, uh, babe the big blue babe ox. the blue ox. Yes, yeah, yeah. But no, I owned that movie on VHS. Well, apparently well, we're the only two only people, people who have seen, seen that, that movie. movie. All right. But as soon as you so said, my, I'm like, it can't be that. <laughs> So, my final one. A Disney movie musical where the villain's minions are charged with killing his nephew but fail and the nephew grows up in isolation but returns to society to thwart the villain's plans. Also featuring the nephew talking to his dad via mystical means and the minions turning against the villain in the end. And a Disney film featuring an orphaned boy who grows to become incredibly strong but is very naive on how the world works, growing to the big city but really just wanting to get back to his home. So I know the first one is obviously the Star Wars Christmas special. That's right. The family references Chewbacca's family. <laughs> so the first one's Lion King. Right. And the second one was... The second one, I will admit, see? is a big of, bit of a stretch. Oliver and Company. So I've heard it as, uh, I'll give you a hint, I've heard it as one of the rare films where you see the female gaze of a, uh, a woman falling for a man because he's beautiful rather than the other way around. That doesn't narrow it down. I'm sure there's a lot of movies. More movies than people would admit that actually are that. Fair enough. Hmm. So he grows up in a jungle. Tarzan. Uh, Close. It's it's very much Tarzan. George of the Jungle! George of the Jungle is correct. To be fair, Tarzan does fit that whole, it like... Because she's like, oh, he has his shirt off. He's so sexy. <laughs> but in the very, like, prissy Victorian way, she's like, oh, oh. Oh, oh my. Goodness. Oh, my, he's, oh, oh my goodness, oh, he's my, not look wearing at his, the sh- Look at oh this pretty package of perfect pecs. But, yes, there is that thing of George of the Jungle where he's, like, like Fabio doing the horse training. Right. Where he's wearing the flowy shirt and being like, uh, and they're all just standing there going like, oh my goodness, he is so interesting. I do love that movie. Everyone is like, that's not a good movie. And I'm like, that's an amazing movie. I love that movie. I'll watch that a million times. Hey, remember when Brendan Fraser was a sex symbol? Because that's weird to think about. You know what? Brendan Fraser is still great. He had a rough time and a bad divorce and some stuff with like abuse stuff with stuff coming out later and you know what brendan fraser deserves better and apparently he's amazing on doom patrol i'm just saying like he used to be in movies and i haven't seen him in movies for a long time uh well he was on a miniseries about the rich guy whose grandson got his ear cut off getty um he was million millionaire his grandson got kidnapped they cut off his ear I couldn't tell you. Um, Lindbergh. All, did you, did they, they did a movie version about it as well called All, All the Money in the World with Christopher Plummer and Michelle Williams. No, I don't know it. But like the Getty Art Museum. I couldn't tell you. Was we named after them. Games. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But the point was he's also apparently in Doom Patrol on CW and apparently he's really good on that. I believe you. I like him as an actor. I'm just saying he used to be a lot more famous than he currently is. Brink, well, he went through a bad divorce and he lost like was 
had to do all of like money to the point like they did his alimony based on what he was making when he was super famous, not based on what he was God, that's rough. making money then and like that or stuff like that. And like he was like making no money. He had had like like not wanting to be doing jobs anymore because of like the um, the sexual abuse thing. Like, Welcome gotten... back to Brendan Fraser's life podcast. Anyway, the point is bring back Brendan Fraser. I want to watch him in a movie again. He's super charming and I like him. Give him a Disney movie. He would be great. Let's go on to our second game, which is alternate taglines. A phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film that encapsulates the emotional state you'll feel in the film, though possibly missing the point. Uh, so I'm on no. again, start us off. Or the theme of the film is what I normally say. Yeah, I was like, I was like, where are we? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in taglines. I'm going to start lost. us off. So my first tagline is Hercules reinvigorating the corpse of mythology with some soul music. The corpse of what? Mythology? There we go. What did I say? <laughs> Not mythology. Well, I kept going and that's the important thing. Yeah, you brought it home. Yep. Mine was simple this time. Hercules, the edited version. <laughs> it's very much like the the one I had for Cinderella. Now with 90% less body horror. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, so uh, the other two I have are Hercules. Saviorism is next to godliness. Heroism is the genuine article. <laughs> oh, no. They're all bad. I My final one look up uh, is one. Hercules. Find where you belong. Even if it's not where you started. Okay. So the real ones are pretty... A lot of them are just quotes. Like it's who put the glad in gladiator and Her zero to Hercules. hero. Yeah. A comedy of epic proportions. Uh, There's one that you have to see because it's happy 4th of, of... This must have come out on the 4th of July. Really? That's this film is not like. patriotic in any way. But it looks like... Because it says happy... IV oh my of July is one of the taglines. And then the last one is my favorite, which is you can run, but you can't hydra. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> can we admit that mine are better than that one? No, apparently it came out June 27th. Oh, I've got June 13th, 1997 here. So apparently if you were in Brazil or Mexico... You got the to the July 4th one. Wait, so these countries that don't celebrate American Independence Day got a tagline referencing our Independence Day? No, our Independence Day is Independence Day. Happy! It, it, something about that is just a joke on, they, it's just the date with sure. the date being in Roman numerals. Oh, so it wasn't the 4th of July, it was just the 4th? Technically, everywhere besides the... Besides the U.S., it's always the 4th of July, because they always do day before month. We're the only place that does month before day! Fine. Fine. And then All someone right. pointed out to me, is like, why do you do it? Call it uh, 4th of July, when that's more British, and it's the day when you're not British. And I'm like, I hate you. Why would you, <laughs> why would you put that in my brain where now I cannot unhear that? Just like the Yeti feet. It's because we are trying to appropriate it. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking it back. It's ours now. All right. Our final game is the TV guide game. A description of the plot of the film you would see in a Netflix or TV guide description that once again is accurate, but probably misses the point. 
Are you updating that? Because if we have young listeners, they don't know what a TV guide is. Doesn't matter. I'm not going. I'm not going to call it the Netflix description game. But before you just said you've seen a TV guide, and now it's Netflix or TV guide. Well, it's because I think I uh, this is I've been doing that for several episodes because I saw something on Netflix that was not even correct. It was false in multiple instances based on the plot. Anywho, <clears throat> so. Here we go. The plot of Hercules. After being given the worst job in history by his brother and working at it for years, a long-suffering man finally sees his chance to improve his station, but is forced back into his place by his brother's idiot son. Poor Hades. I know. He just can't catch a break. A man's goal to find his birth parents ends with their house destroyed and his girlfriend dead. Huh. I won't say that. I wouldn't say that's how it ends, but... There's definitely part of it. <laughs> All right, my final one. Uh, a young farm boy who feels out of place never truly learns how to fit in, preferring instead to live on an island with no other humans for years, then becoming a celebrity and literally rising above everyone by the end of the film. Sorry, I had my, what does this say? <laughs> a man's quest to be the greatest sports trainer is threatened when his charge faces puberty. <laughs> All those hormones and those pretty ladies. I, I would have thought he would have experienced puberty far before this. He does not look 13 when he is a full-grown adult. You don't know with those Disney characters. That's true. Maybe they no develop way, later. Like, Maybe they develop when they see the first women in their life that is not their mom. I mean, Snow White is supposed to be what? Like 14, 12? Well, yeah, like... Uh, I, I have this problem with Little Mermaid because I think she's 16. She uh, is. And I think Eric is celebrating like early 20s or something. Twi- is it his 21st birthday? Cause yeah, I think he- so. Because he celebrates the birthday is the point. Uh, and then she gets married to you, him. You, but you think it would be his 18th birthday. You think he would be getting... You think he would become king on his 18th birthday and that would be the important... You don't think... His parents are dead, right? He has no so. parents. Who's ruling the kingdom? I assume that why it would make more sense that he'd be turning 18, because then that's when he would be out, he'd no longer have a, like, steward, and then he would be coming full into his kingship. But no, Disney didn't think of these questions. No, they want to pair a 21-year-old with a 13-year-old and then make sure they get married by the end of the film. Thanks, Disney. Also, in Beauty and the Beast, how did the Beast get cursed anyway? Why did he have not have a butler opening his door? Yeah, he's got all these servants. They're literally turned into furniture because of the witch's curse. Why didn't one of them? Cogsworth wasn't available? Like, where's your butler? Your butler should get fired. He's very bad at his job. Yeah, he didn't buttle once. He didn't buttle once. All right. So, Sarah, you have a, a new feature for us today on the podcast. My new feature is called, Which Great God Are You? And, and we're deciding for Mark because he's not here. I'm going to look up some Greek gods because Sarah did not tell me we were doing this until we started. I just started. thought about it like five minutes before I came on to the chat. So, I decided for myself that okay. I like the idea of Athena because she's smart. And knowledgeable, but also when people say they're better than her, she tends to turn, be very mean to them and turn them into weird, creepy creatures. Now, she's like, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, she is the god or goddess of both peace and warfare. Yes. 
All right. Um, she's goddess of warfare is in the terms of military strategy. The way, like, I learned it was she's more like military strategy as opposed to Ares as the god of war as in, fair, like, like battle lust and, like, fighting and stuff like that, where she's more, like, thinking things out and putting things into rows and making them march in formation, that okay. sort of war. Oh, that makes sense. Because they're both gods of war, but, like, she's more, like, of, like, the military and the army, and he's more, like, go and fight and stab people. Okay. That sort of thing. I can buy um, that. But also, like, when people say, oh, I'm better than you, she, like, turns them into spiders. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> oh, like, no, I was... I have that book in Greek mythology, and yeah. I read it kind of in my mornings. Um, and She literally did that. I kind of glaze over the Greek names because I can't really pronounce them. I can recognize, like, oh, okay, this is this character, but I don't pronounce it in my head. So the one you're talking about is um, this weaver who was so good yes. at weaving that she challenged Athena, and Athena was not pleased that this mere mortal was challenging her to a duel. And I didn't realize that the, the weaver's name was Arachne. Arachne, yeah. She's also a character in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> of course she is. What is she, the god of Spider-Mans? No, she's literally the character from Greek mythology. <laughs> uh, Why? I I have yet to figure out the plot of Spider-Man <laughs> And I've, I've read the synopsis like five times and still every time I go back and go like, I don't remember a single thing. I remember nothing about this show. So I know which one I would like to be. Though I'm trying to find one for Mark. Oh, so you I thought he'd Mark. be Hephaestus. The ironworking one, mainly just because he's such a sad sack. Oh, Okay. I was also going to say Mark could be chaos, the personification of nothingness, depicted as a void, later described as female. I'm just reading Wikipedia right now. So Hephaestus is the god of fire metalworking, stone masonry forges, and the art of sculpture, but mainly I remember him for being a real sad sack whose wife constantly cheated on him. And he's like, I'm ugly and no one loves me. And my father thought I was so ugly, he threw me out of Olympus and broke my leg. And my wife hates me because I'm ugly. God damn. So Again, he's such a sad sack. Because I get to choose my own, as you do. <laughs> I am going to go with Apollo. Uh, he's the god of yeah. music and arts. He's the god of knowledge. And a little bit vain. Yeah, he's the god of poetry, god of manly beauty, uh, and of archery. Again. Yeah. So, like, I mainly want to do him because he's a good mix of, like, knowledge. I like learning things. I spend a lot of time reading nonfiction books to develop skills. And also a little bit of, like, ugh, yeah, that I, guy. The god of music. I like singing. I like going to arts. I perform good things. Have you? What? I've never seen it. Right, I know. Um... But, like, he's got other things. He's the, he's the god of healing. That doesn't really apply to me. He's the god of the plague. Doesn't really apply to me. <laughs> Are you sure? My other choice was uh, Artemis, the goddess of the hunt, because she hates everybody. <laughs> She's just all ready to shoot anybody all the time. I mean, mostly men. She's like, men suck, and I don't want to hang out. I'm just going to hang out with my, my hunters and just, like, everyone sucks. <laughs> that does sound like you. <laughs> I think I've heard you say specifically that. Everyone sucks? Yep, that's the one. 
Alright, we are running a bit long, so why don't we go on to our review scale. Starting, of course, with our infamous potato scale, telling our viewers what they can expect in terms of emotional states watching this film, put in our terms... I really hope Mark how we feel listen about to this potatoes. episode and hear me call him just the saddest of sex. Yeah, well, I called him a void of nothingness, so <laughs> we're on equal ground <laughs> there. Hey, I was kind when we did spirit animals, and I would have been kind if I was given time to prepare. Instead, I went for the lowest hanging fruit because I did it in two seconds. Uh, I, okay, I just did. <laughs> I've lost. I've been, try- I've been trying to go to the Google Docs right. for like 30 seconds, and all I just keep going to is my Gmail. Like, <laughs> Instead of hitting drive, I just keep hitting Gmail like a moron. (laughs) Like four times. And to explain to our audience, this is the part of the podcast where Sarah is just (laughs) done. Her body has given up. She's just gone. She's beyond recovery. I I went to three community theater plays this week, and two of them were. Oh, I'm not going to say that. We're not going to talk about them on here. But it was a Disney this week, and a lot of driving back from towns that were not where I live, mm-hmm. and a lot of eating dinner at 11 o'clock at night. Hmm, so I'm trying to decide what potato to give this. Hot potato, hot potato? Yeah, it's a real hot potato. Huh, because I might have to go... I, I'm very tempted to give this Five Guys fries because I loved it as a kid and I loved watching it this time. I did. I had with to. the problems of the plot of them storming Mount Olympus and the problems with the the one nitpicky thing we had about the Hydra, I think this is perfect for a steak and shake fries. So not quite a Five Guys, but pretty darn close and still pretty darn good. The emotional notes that it wants to hit, it hits. Um, and in fact, you know what? This is supposed to be emotional notes and not plot. F it, I'm giving it a Five Guys Fries. I'm gonna give it a Steak and Shake for second place, but I'm also gonna give it a Wherever That Went. A gold potato. Because every time the I Can Go the Distance theme comes back in, because it comes after he sings it, every time something good starts to happen, that starts playing again. And once that starts playing again, I'm like, yeah, you go, Hercules. You find your home. You can go the distance. I believe in you. But it was. It was like this moment of, yeah, you did it, Hercules. You did it. You mean Hercules. You mean Hercules. Like a little baby that I am. <laughs> uh, so I'm just typing that into our Google Doc. Here, so you're going steak and shake, yeah, and gold, and right? Gold. All he right. Did. He went for the gold. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's great. That's what I would have given it if I didn't go five guys. The problems I have with the plot and the computer animation, I'm probably gonna do in our other review scale, which is a rewatchability scale, a scale from zero to ten, telling our listeners should you go back and watch this movie. Don't you mean zero to hero? What? Oh, yes, it's a scale from zero to hero. Zero to hero. Um, I, <laughs> this film is not quite a hero for me. Um, I would love to give it a 10 because I really enjoyed watching it because of the things I've mentioned. The two problems I have for the film, 
the ending, at least what you think is the ending, the thing it's building up for is not a satisfying the penultimate, conclusion. The penultimate, yes, the penultimate experience. Thing. Though, gosh dang it, they bring it back by the end. Bring so, like, back. I'm going to give this a nine. I can't go full ten. I want to, but I just can't. But I'm giving it a nine. Go watch this film. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna agree with you. It's not quite a hero. He's the it's again, it's the celebrity of Thebes, but not quite a true hero. Yeah, yeah. I'm but right yeah, I'm gonna go with a nine too. I All think right. I agree. Yeah, I had fun. How does this happen? How does this happen when whenever <laughs> we are left alone to do a podcast we on get, our own, we agree so great. perfectly. When and if Mark, Mark is, is here, here, we, we hate disagree. It. <laughs> oh. oh, I don't know how this keeps happening. I enjoyed it. I didn't even take that many notes because I was just watching it yeah, and having fun. It's real great. Most of my notes are I make notes on the plot so I don't have to watch it multiple times. I can just review yeah. my notes. Like that was basically it. And then towards the end, I just stopped taking notes. Because I was just watching. I was yeah. just having fun. Oh. All right. So, whew. Sarah, can you tell our audience where they can find us online if they choose to do so? You can find us at Retrograding Podcast at Facebook. You can find each other at Retrograding Party Line. We are at retrograding.fireside.fm. We are also on iTunes. Leave a like, a review, a share. Our music credit is Dominique Barnes. All right, so our final segment is, guys, I learned something today. Something that I learned watching this film uh, is watching Herc as a young boy struggling the entire film to get his dream the lesson I learned is two words, go the distance. <laughs> so that's going to close out this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. Describe flavors as colors. <laughs> it tastes green. It tastes green. I say the best flavors based on colors. You, uh, pink is great. Blue, very good. Top tier. Uh, like a bright red can be all right. Red, blue, and pink are my top tier. Orange, middle tier. Yellow, purple, bottom tier. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Bottom tier flavors. I, do you just rate foods based on starbursts? <laughs> Not always startuppers. Sometimes it's sour patch kids. <laughs> okay, so it's it's always candy though. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. <laughs> All right, we need a lesson real quick. Uh, so I've got the start of one. I don't know how to finish it though. So the lesson should be something like two words, and then <laughs> something that's more than two words or less. And I can't think of what that should be. Two words. Forget about it. That's two words, though. Forget about it? No, no, no. They, uh, it's three. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Don't do that. I just was like, that is not two words. I'm, I'm as done as you are right now. Um, I got it. it I got the lesson. <laughs> <laughs>